you're just catching up or for some other reason it went over your head, uh, we've been following prayer since the beginning of uh, the year, January 2010. We spent the first seven or so weeks uh, getting our bearings about how all prayer comes out of our, out of our relationship with God who is our Father. Uh, and since then we've done, we've done little mini-series within the big series. We've looked at praying for the lost. We've looked at how do we cope when God doesn't seem to answer the, uh, the way that we want him to or in the time scale that we want him to. And uh, now we're picking up uh, as we come into land into the summer. Uh, just some different aspects of different kinds of prayer. And this morning thinking about what it means to pray as uh, parents arise Cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children. Now I appreciate this morning that that God's been speaking to us a lot about children and families and I appreciate this morning that you come to it from your own life experience and for uh, that reason we all come to it differently uh, this morning. There are parents here with children still growing up and the application of what I'm saying will be obvious, I hope, and immediate. There'll be uh, others of us here whose children have long since grown up. And the observation, in a way, might be equally as immediate, but more difficult. Our our, our children are either thriving in the place we want them to be, or more painfully, not thriving in the way we want them to be. And it causes heartache to think about the things that we think about this morning. There'll be others of us here who uh, are just delighted to be grandparents and great-grandparents and you might naturally be thinking of your grandchildren or you might naturally be thinking of your nieces or your nephews. You might be here delighted that you haven't got any children of your own or broken that you haven't got any children of your own. And so we, we, we go a difficult path together this morning and we're here for each other this morning. And the God of heaven's here for us this morning. And uh, some of you will have already been quite anxious about the time. Mm, there was a, a, someone was brave enough to go, mm. the rest of you are fibbers. Because uh, uh, you'll go, crikey, it's a, I've only got eight points, okay? So, so you see how I go this morning. It's dead simple. I want to do something dead simple this morning. And that's to give you eight points, eight points of ammunition, if you like, to pray for your children. And I want to underline what Claire said about tomorrow evening. We'd love you to gather tomorrow evening to support one another as we pray for our children. You don't need children to be there tomorrow night. We desperately need our children to grow up in the love and fear of the Lord. And we need everybody's help in that. It's all our responsibility to join in that. And so, uh, may this be ammunition for your own prayer life. Bring, bring it with you tomorrow evening as we gather and try and support each other uh, in that way. If there is anything that makes us anxious, it is parenting because we haven't got it all figured out. We think we have it figured out and then we have a kid and nothing works. And then we have two and nothing, a different set of nothings don't seem to work. And if you end up having four you realize that none of it works. And you go, oh God, help me. Because I, I need all the help. All the help. And into that mixed bag of such joy and sorrow, 
that verse we had right at the beginning of our series comes. Do not be anxious. Well, I am anxious. And I am scared. I am fearful. and I'm not sure whether I'm doing the right things and saying the right things and behaving in the right way. I am anxious about my parenting. My children are anxious about their own parenting. And you might say that in your family situation too. But in everything, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so my eight suggestions. We pray firstly for help to surrender. Our children are a gift from God. They're not ours. Their life is not our life. Neither is it theirs, actually. And one of the challenges is to help them understand that their life is not their own. Help us, God, to surrender our children to him and to his purpose, to give them up as quickly as we grab hold of them and hold them to our chests as tightly as we could as young-born babies so precious to us. We give them up. You see, there is a choice. We can hold our children tightly to ourselves or we can surrender them to God. We can clutch them or offer them. We can seek to control them or invite God to take charge. The average parent spends most of their lives worried sick about the well-being of their children. We are ruled by fear. What if we were instead not to be ruled by fear, but to release them to a heavenly father who loves them more than we do? Whose purpose for them is better than our own? To a father in heaven who can be trusted in a way that we can not. Hey, we can't be everywhere for our kids. We wish we could. But God can. We can't be everything for our kids how we wish we could, but he can. We don't know everything for our kids, even when we act like we do, but God does. And I think the issue is this. We can take full and exclusive responsibility for our children's lives if we dare. If we dare. But if not, whatever your age, your children, can you trust them to a God who is safer than you? That's hard, isn't it? Is it just me that finds this difficult? No, no. The three of us are finding it difficult this morning. Well, can we, can we, what does it mean? Hannah, who'd prayed that God would give her a child. It was the longing of her heart. She was humiliated and embarrassed in that culture uh, because she didn't have a child. And she longed for God to give her. And God gave her a child. And she says, I give him up. Respect to Hannah. I give. And we've all got to do that. To give our children to God. And I can't do that unless I make that my daily prayer. Help me, Lord. Not to kid myself that they are safer with me than they are with you, Lord God. Help me not to fall for the delusion that I know better than you for them. Help me know that in letting them go and releasing them to you and placing them in the safest place. So that's an easy one to get us going. We can pray for that with all our hearts. Pray for the sureness of their worth. 
We might say the most important thing for our children is that they are saved, that they come to know Jesus, and that is the most important thing for our children. Let's make no mistake about it. Everything else is way down here compared to that they know God in a living way. It's the longing of our hearts. We carry the scars and the pain when our children are not with God in the way we want them to be. But a big part of our contribution to that is that we would help them know how precious and how valuable they are. You see, our children get their first image of God from their parents. And I tell you, it's a wonder I can sleep at night. Because they're looking at me and they're looking at their mum, and it's much better when they look at their mum, but they're looking at me and they're looking at their mum, and they're going, well, is God like that? Is God like that? Is he conditional in his love like they sometimes are? Do you get angry in, in, a, in, in a wrong kind of way? Like, does God do that like they do that? God, help us. Help us to give them a vision of a God who loves them and, and gave himself for them in it, and, and, it, and his soul for them even when they mess it up. The God who says, you haven't lived as I've wanted you to live, but I'm running out to meet you like the prodigal father or the prodigal son. And you, you might have been a long way from what I want you to be, but I'm going to wrap my arms around you because you're my son or you're my daughter. I want you to know how loved and accepted and precious you are. Many of us, and we scratch below the things that bother us in life right now. Discover it's the way we felt, rightly or wrongly, as a child. The sureness of their worth. One of the greatest gifts my parents gave me was that I knew how much they loved me. They couldn't actually give me what they wanted to give me. It's funny, I was saying to Mark's children just, to, just before the service that, uh, about being born without an eyelid. And the shock and the trauma, I never understood that as a child. Only with kids of my own do I begin to understand what they went through. And they did everything to give me what they thought I needed most. But whilst they were doing that, they were actually giving me the thing I really needed. I remember one day, I must have been about seven or eight, and I was, um, I don't know, I was hacked off about something. You can't imagine that, can you? And I just was, I was hacked off, you know. And, and I said to my dad in kind of anger and stuff, I questioned whether he loved me. Have you ever said something and you just wished you could take it back? Because you know how wounded those wounds were responsible for. What wounds those wounds were responsible for. And I could see it. The moment I said it, I could see in that man's eyes that my words had the power to break him because of how much he loved. And we can all do that for our kids, can't we? We can. We kid ourselves we're too busy and other things are too important and, and, and if only they didn't have so much homework and if only we didn't have to build another Egyptian pharaoh out of paper mache. I'm going to kill the next teacher who sends a project home. Oh, unbelievable. But we think it matters so much. And what does their report say? And, and are they doing well in the football team? You know, dad's on the sideline shouting at their kids like it's the World Cup. And that's pretty pathetic too, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, 
Do they know how much we love them? doesn't matter what they're doing today, but do they know? And what can we do to communicate that to them? And we pray for their salvation. We pray, and I'm not going to say much about that, not because it's not important, but because we did those, those two or three uh, uh, sermons in a, in a row on praying for, for the lost. Get them back out. Listen to them again. You get them online or at the back of the church or, or somewhere. We'll find them for you if you um, come to the office. We'll give you a CD or, or anything. But listen to them again, thinking about your children. There's no, there's no, um, uh, uh, what's the word? There's no guarantees. But we can change the odds by our prayers. We pray for their social networks. For the people that will influence them. You see, the brilliant thing about having young kids is that they think you know everything. And if as a parent you're still in that phase, enjoy it. Because it's passing. There will come a day all too soon when your child will come home and will say something outrageous that you know is wrong, like, Wales is not the promised land, Daddy. Now, there's something wrong with that statement on several different levels, actually. But, uh, and you'll go, no, 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 I'm afraid, I'm afraid, Sonny, Jim, you're mistaken. Wales is the promised land. Expecting that to be the end of it, because in your child's world, whenever you've said something, that's absolutely right, because you know. And then they'll say, well, Mrs. Morris says it isn't. And you'll think, who on earth is Mrs. Morris? Well, Mrs. Morris is my teacher, and she knows everything, Daddy. Not when I finish with her, she won't. (laughs) Some wet-behind-the-ears NQTs half your age. God, help us, please. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse because it won't be too long before it's not a teacher, another adult at least, but they will think that what their friend says is more important than you. It's outrageous, isn't it? Outrageous. Someone the same age as them knows more about it than you do. Absolutely outrageous. Was it Mark Twain who, when he was 14, said, I think my dad is, uh, this is my paraphrase, the biggest idiot that's ever walked the earth. By the time I was 21, I realized he wasn't quite as bad as I thought. But there is that journey. And they will think that their friends are more important than you. Oh, pray for the friends of your children. Pray that your children are going to find friends that are going to love Jesus and stand for things that are good. That you're going to have friends that are going to egg them onto righteousness and not egg them onto something else. A righteous man is cautious in friendship. And so we pray for their sexual fidelity. One minute they're just been born, the next minute, puberty. How weird's that? Adolescence. Suddenly a child turns into a monster. How did that happen? Before my very eyes. And suddenly the choices that are before them are far from what you would want, and the urges and the temptation and the culture is much stronger than you can possibly by yourself stand against. And so many lives are shipwrecked because of bad choices in those moments.
And I know that people say these days, oh, pastors, it's all you worry about is sex. Churches, it's all they're on about is down on this, that, and the other. Why do we make such a big deal of it these days? Can, can I, oh, there's lots of reasons. Can I just tell you honestly as a pastor why we make such a big deal of it? Because week in, week out, when people talk to me, that's what they talk about. That's what they talk about. I can't get away from what happened. Can't get away from the choices that I've made. The Bible talks about people becoming one flesh, and it's a, it's a big mess. God can sort it out at the cross. No worries, no worries. Nothing's too messed up for God. But we long for our kids to be faithful, to know what trust is, to save things that are special for the gift that God gives them, for the time that God gives them. See, one of the great sadnesses for me is that people can be 15, 20 years into their marriage and they're still struggling because of a liaison years before. You say, why should I wait now? I haven't even got a partner. You wait because one day you will or you might. And when you find that person that God's given you, you want to be ready for them, believe me. And really, we should have the young people in here to hear what I'm saying just now. That's what we say to them. And we must pray for it. Because they live in a sea of choice that many of us hardly know and are hardly aware of. Because we're of a different generation. And it wasn't that it was different when we were that age. But in a way it was. So we pray. And we pray for the spouse of God's choosing. Men, husbands, have you found this verse? It's fantastic for anniversary cards. Just the one. I tell you, if you write that on an anniversary card, you're dead. And I'll probably be dead as well. So it's just a joke here, just in case we... Any kind of uh, miscommunication between us. If you've ever thought that, don't write it. If you've ever thought that, don't say it. But it is the truth. It is the truth. And it works the other way as well. Pray for the person of God's choosing. Or pray for the, 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 the gift that God gives of singleness. Pray that if God is preparing someone, they found, find the someone. A whole generation almost got lost to the church because Christian young people in my opinion, didn't choose carefully enough and thought it didn't matter to find someone of the same faith, the same commitment to Jesus. And the church almost lost a whole generation of children, of young adults. Can't let it happen again. Must pray for the spouse of God's choosing. I don't know whether it's a, a mother's thing, you know, to be really keen to see their children uh, married off. Maybe a mother's thing to see daughters married off. Maybe it's not a, not a mother's thing at all. But there, there can be sometimes a, a, a real kind of um, pressure. Do you know, we want our kids to, to find the person and so on. It's about the right person. Uh, honestly, let them wait 40 years and then find the right person. But in four months, find the wrong one. Honest. Why? Because as a pastor... Week in, week out. That's what we talk about. Find the right one. There's so much we could say. I notice, I guess, and I, I'm, I'm a couple of minutes, I'm done. 
Notice, I guess, that we've talked so much about relationships. It's the big thing. God made us relational beings to love him and to love one another. But just two things that aren't quite as relational. Pray for the shape. Pray for their shape to flourish. Nothing to do with bums and tums. But God's given them a shape. He's given them a personality and he's given them a temperament and he's given them gifts and he's given them passions and ambitions. Lesson number one for a parent, they might not be the same as yours and that's okay. How many times have we tried to live our lives through our children? We, we, we wish we succeeded at something, but we failed. So we're going to make darn sure that our children succeed in that. And our children are going, but that's not what God's... That's not my shape. That's not who I am. Billy Elliot, the fantastic story of the dancer, the ballet dancer, who was the son of a boxer. I want my son to be a boxer. Billy Elliot was a dancer. Pray that you will know the shape of your children. That you'll know the shape. Pray that you'll have the courage not to put your shape on them. Pray that you will have the courage not to put the shape you would like them to have on them. And pray that they would know their shape early in their lives early in their life. It's a cruel world, isn't it? You see, you can be brilliant at everything and rubbish at sport. And you, you're brilliant at everything, uh, and then you do your PE, and you're not so good at PE, and you're brilliant at everything else, and you come home, what do you feel? You feel rubbish that you're not good at PE. No, that's just me? No, it's not, is it? Come on. That's what happens. doesn't matter what it is. You could be brilliant at PE, but not so good at something else. And you will instinctively draw on what you are not good at. And you will shape your worldview around what you are not good at. And all of heaven cries, forget about what you're not so good at, just for a moment, and concentrate on the way God's made you. So that like Eric Liddell, when he runs, he says, God made me to run, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. There is a sweet spot in parenting when we help our children discover who they are, and we see them flourish, not in what we wanted, or even sometimes in what they wanted, but in what God gifts them with. It's a sweet spot. And whoosh, I was made for this. And when I do it, I love it, and I feel God's pleasure. Want that for our children, don't we? And we pray for their safety always. Pray for their safety always. Lord, keep them from all harm. Watch over them, protect them, keep them well away from the place of temptation. The days when we held our children in our arms are soon long, long gone. We can't protect them from disappointment and we can't shield them from loss and we can't change their world so it is always bright even though we would long with all our hearts to do so. But we can, through our prayers, place them under the shadow of his wing and there is no greater, safer place that they might rest in the Father's embrace. Hey, it's a great thing we can do to pray for our children, whatever age they are. Would you join us tomorrow evening uh, here? um
through there somewhere probably uh, to pray? Uh, would you be mindful of it in your small groups? Would you be mindful of it in your prayer triplets? If you haven't got young children at the moment, would you be mindful of those that do? And feel like their world is smothered? Children are perhaps long gone, but still leave an aching heart because they're not in the place their parents long for them to be. Would you be mindful of that? Would you stand with parents around this room? If you haven't got children, would we be mindful that for some that's a huge ache that affects every day? And for those of you who haven't got children, would you stand with us? Because I tell you, parenting, we're out of control. Perhaps a pastor shouldn't say things like that. But you can look at my parenting and you'll say, he's out of control. And don't worry, because I'll look at yours and I think the same thing. Just, it's out of control. But there's a God in heaven. And he says, call me Father. How fantastic is that? Call me Father. Father.